a sip instead of yours. If you're looking for a way to get more positive things going into your life, I'd encourage you to check out our friends at Christian Living Magazine. You can find out everything you need at ChristianLivingMag.com. Good morning, everybody. Sorry, we are a few minutes late. What are we, four minutes late? And I'm actually getting messages from somebody. Hey, on live going right now. Sorry, we're four minutes, five minutes late now, but we're a few minutes late. Had some technical difficulties. Oh, man, I've been sick the last two weeks. Finally, pretty much over this stuff. <coughs> Might cough a little here or there just as I'm clearing clearing everything out, but doing Okay. Thank you guys so much for the the prayers and support. Appreciate that. Let's dig into this. So last time when we were here, man, we did. We we got into lesson 13, Hebrews chapter 10, 19 to 39. And it was encouraging one another. And I got, yeah, either I, I got a little long-winded or very passionate about some of the areas and, and, we got to the point where we lo- I looked at the clock and said, hey, we still have two-thirds of the study, really time-wise maybe half of the study left, but still, and we were something like 45 minutes into it going, yeah, we're not, we're not going to be able to, to do it justice to just cruise through and, and breeze through that. So we, we cut it short. And so said so we'd do it next week. Well, I had no voice because... This season change was extremely rough on me and our family and a lot of people we know, apparently. So then last week, I still was fighting it and was just getting over it. And this week, I'm pretty good. Still got a little, maybe TMI, I don't know. Got a little drainage going. So it's just welcome to fall. I guess that's all we can say is welcome to fall. But we're going to continue this on and we're going to finish this this up finally. Sorry, we left it on such a suspenseful note and we left it for weeks, but thanks for hanging in there. <laughs> so here we go. This is lesson 14, encouraging one another, part two, but it is just after, after verse 25. So we're doing 26 to 39. So let's go ahead and read this in the English Standard Version, shall we? For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, There no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified? and has outraged the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, 
and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. We, we are of those who have faith and persevere and preserve their souls, I guess. Drew additions, but you get the point here. This section breaks down into two basic categories or two basic sections. First, we see the renewed warning in 26 to 31, and then 32 to 39, we get memory and encouragement. But I think because it's been a couple weeks and and this this entirety, I had this all put together because it really is one whole piece and one whole section that I think is important to do together. And so because of that, let's let's refresh our minds a little bit on what we did last time, just in the scripture. We're not going to go back through the points or anything, but let's just reread the scripture here, 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers, just brothers and sisters, it's everybody, everyone who's included in that. It's not a, anyway, it's not a, not a point there. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay, this is just a great thing. Keep in mind, this is what we just finished. This is what the author had just finished writing. This is what the the, the people who were receiving the letter of Hebrews here, they just read this. Not neglecting to meet together is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near, 26 to 27. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. That seems kind of dark and bleak. It really does. It seems it seems pretty dark. It seems pretty bleak. This seems like the type of verse that people who want to say, why would I follow your God? Why would I follow Christianity? Why would I why would I want to be a part of something to where, you know, your your God is angry and vengeful and just just as looking out to to want to punish people and beat people and then you know all of this yada 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 right this seems like the type of verse that somebody could really grab on and hold on to to say that kind of thing right well we got to read it in context and that's why context is so important and i, I really want to point out this section right here is very for lack of a better way to really put it, it's taken out of context all the time. Even if you read it just 
inside the entire context, which is why we went back to 19 and we read forward to this. Even if you read it in context, it is very easy to take the wrong meaning from this, which taking it out of context, you're leaving it in the context of the scriptures, but you're not understanding it and taking it for what's being actually said. So let's do that. Let's try to figure out what's going on here. Well, the word for here is leading up to a major warning, right? This is a warning statement, which I think is very obvious for what comes later. It is a warning. Keep in mind, in verse 25, so let's let's go back really, really fast. Verse 25, what was being discussed? Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Okay, so it's about getting together. So if you don't go to, no, that's not what being said. No, 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 not what being said. Go just a little further. And all the more, all the more as you see the day. Now, notice day is capitalized. We made a big point about this the last, last section. Day is capitalized. It's not capitalized because they're just naming it like D-Day, but it is. It's like D-Day. It is the day. This is the day of Jesus's return, right? As you see, the day. Maybe maybe the should be capitalized as well, right? The day drawing near. This is the day of Jesus's return. Okay, this is a reminder that Christ is coming back. The work is not finished, and Christ is coming back. I'm trying to remember who it was that said it. I just was writing a paper yesterday and used used this illustration and this quote in the paper, and I can't can't even remember for lack of sleep who it was that had said this, so I can't attribute this right off the top of my head, and I apologize. See if I can find that and put it in the show notes at least. Anyway, he, he compared th- the work of Jesus to World War II. So, I mean, it makes sense that it's 20th century, right? But he compared it to that, and he said that the the victory on the cross was like D-Day, but V-Day, Victory Day, true Victory Day is the day he comes back, is the second coming. And I, I just, I really like that. But anyway, this is talking about watching for the day of Jesus's return, watching for the second coming, watching for the day of judgment, okay? The day of judgment. Now, remember, in English, with American ears, we hear judgment, we cringe. That's a, ooh, that's a bad thing. You can't judge people. You're not a judge or, you know, that's not what we're, actually, we are supposed to judge other believers. But remember, judgment, two things in that era. Judge was also good and bad. We judged good things for rewards, right? Like, so think of it this way. When you are trying to train an animal or trying to encourage and bring up children or train people at work for a new job or anything like that, there's a couple different approaches that you can use. You can do what the modern theory is and only do positive reinforcements. You only enforce the good things and the bad things will naturally go away. Well, if you look at our society, I think we can all fairly well agree that doesn't work well. The bad things don't just magically go away. Flip side of the coin, you can negatively enforce and reinforce the bad things. Meaning when people do something that they don't want them to do, you can punish them. And by punishing the bad, they'll be more inclined to do what's good. Well, the problem with that is there's no encouragement. So what? I just, I'm I'm afraid all the time. You just want people to be afraid. See, judgment in the Greek means both sides of the coin. It's actually a very healthy term in that 
it is a reinforcement of the good, rewards, and a punishment for the bad. It's helping people stay on the straight and narrow, right? If you do wrong, unfortunately, there are going to be some natural consequences. There's going to be things that happen. But if you do good, there's there's rewards throughout that and going forward. And that's what that judgment means. And so the judgment day is actually both sides of this. Those who follow Jesus and are on the side of Christ or on God's side, judgment day is a good thing. These judgments are good judgments. Your sins are as far as the east are from the west, right? They're no more. They're gone. God does not remember them. When he looks at you, he sees the blood washing of his son. He sees his son. He no longer sees your sins and your problems. He sees his son. And so you get rewards. It's a good judgment for those who are not following Jesus. Unfortunately, it is not a good judgment, and it is a fearful judgment, which gets into at the end of 31 here. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Okay, so it is very easy to look at this section, as I'm kind of going all over the place here, but it is very easy to take this section out of context even reading it straight through, to misinterpret this completely. So let's read it again, 26 and 27. If we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, what's the knowledge of truth? Jesus. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Christ. He is the one who was sent to save us. He is God in the flesh. He's both God and man completely. And he died on the cross for our sins. He lived the perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. He resurrected on the third day, and he is currently awaiting his triumphant return at the right hand of God the Father. Interceding for us on the right hand of God. He's doing it for us. It's already done. He's there. So after, if you go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice of sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and fury of fire will consume the adversaries. That sounds terrifying. I hope I'm not the only one. Maybe toss that in the chat if you agree. That sounds somewhat terrifying, right? It sounds like you're being scared into it. And this scripture is used quite a bit to encourage people, see, you have to live a certain lifestyle. Now, mind you, I actually have a holiness background. I actually believe that we do have a responsibility to act responsibly to live a certain way, to embrace the Holy Spirit and to embrace God's call on our lives and to move forward, that there is actually a portion of responsibility on us to live a certain way. Okay, I do agree with that. But I have to point out here, that is not what is being said here. What is being discussed, this is a continuation on from verse 25. This is directly discussing apostasy, leaving the faith, not continuing onward. This is not about, man, I fell and I fell to the flesh again and I I fell into whatever the sin is that I fall prey to. I don't know. It could be anger. Maybe it's, it's lust. Maybe it's drinking. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's whatever it is. We all have something. We're all born with a certain propensities for certain sins. And if we fall prey to the flesh, we, we do that. We all do. I hate to tell you this, but it it, it goes away when you're in heaven, right? That, that's when it stops, right? We, we are going to continue to have these issues. It can get better over time. It gets easier over time. The more we resist it, the more we work with the Spirit, the more we embrace the Holy Spirit of God working in us, things get easier and gets better over time, but we still we still stumble and fall at times. 
That's just part of being human. That's part of this. And so we move forward. That's not what's being discussed here. This is directly and specifically about apostasy, leaving Jesus, accepting Christ and the work that he did for you on the cross, and then walking away. This is about that. We have to keep that in mind as we read this section. And when you hear somebody read this section and say, see, if, you're, if you go on sinning at all, you're going straight to hell. That's not what's being said here. And I would encourage you lovingly, maybe pull the person aside and, and go over this and, and say, read it in context. Let's look, let's look at this in context and see, this is about apostasy. This isn't about daily sinning. We, we all struggle with that. We should get better with that. It, do, it is not permission for you to just go out and live however vicariously, however you want. No, that's not the point either. We, we work with the spirit to better our lives and to live a certain way. But those stumbling blocks, that doesn't, that's not what this is discussing, that there's a fiery judgment coming. We miss that judgment. That part of the judgment, we don't, we don't have to worry about. We get the good judgment. Keep that in mind. And this expectation of judgment, again, for those under Christ, good. For those not under Christ, well, he says it right here, a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Well, why is that? Why is that? You know, contrary to Star Wars, it's not just the Sith that deal in black and white. Yes, there is gray area in the scripture, okay? Those who say the scripture is very black and white, I, I would argue you're, you're, you're wrong. There's a lot of gray area in the scripture. But one area that is very clear is you are either for God and on God's side, or you are not for God. You are against God and you are on the enemy's side. And therefore, you get what the enemy gets. There, there isn't a, I don't pick a side. I don't pick a side is picking Satan's side. I'm just going to be blunt, very, very direct. You are either following God and following Jesus, or you are following Satan. All other things stem from the Satan category. I, I, I don't know how much more plainly to say that. It just is. And so if you fall into these other categories, you go with the enemy in the end times. And that breaks my heart. I hate that, but it's just evident in scriptures. So let's, let's keep going here. 28 to 31. There's a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. 28, anyone who has set aside the law of Moses. Now watch, wondering how do I know that that was about apostasy? Well, 25 is about apostasy. 28, wait a minute. This, this seems like a continuation of apostasy. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of Two or three witnesses. Remember, it was a court system. They had to go through a court system, so they had to have a number of witnesses to prove it. Can't just have one person say, this person no longer believes, and they believe that person's word over the other person's word. No, no, no. There has to be evidence of multiple witnesses. 29. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot? This is heartbreaking way to describe this, but it's very accurate. And it's a very good way to point out what, what someone who's doing when they leave Jesus. Jesus was willing to die for you on the cross. He lived a perfect life. He's the only one that did not deserve death ever in history. I, I mean, 
some people would say, well, you, what about Mother Teresa? I, I didn't know Mother Teresa, and I think a lot of the work she did was amazing. But I think if you asked Mother Teresa herself, she would tell you, I've done things that I deserve death. Jesus is the only one who's ever lived that did not deserve death. And he died for you. How much worse punishment, right here, 29, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God? That does not mean has the Son of God walk on them. That means they walk on the Son of God, trampling over the Son of God, and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, his own blood. He spilt his blood for you to create the new covenant so that we can be with God through Jesus, and has outraged. Notice this wording here. This wording is very deliberate, and has outraged the Spirit, capital S, of grace, the Holy Spirit outraged the Holy Spirit. The Trinity is such an such an interesting thing. It's so hard to wrap our heads around. Not only is it hard to wrap our heads around, it's it's hard it's hard just period. Okay? One God with three distinct personalities. Three peoples, three parts of the one God. I mean, I guess we could say we have body, we have mind and we have soul and there or people some people would say heart and and soul or mind. Okay? However way you want to do it. Even, even if you were looking at a worldly sense and you say, I don't believe in a soul at all. Okay. You still have a physical body. You have a mind and you have your emotions, right? You have your logic sense and then you have your emotions. There's three very distinct parts of you, right? There are three very, very distinct parts of you. And sometimes different ones win. I need to lose some weight. And I battle my body with Sometimes hunger, because the only way I can lose weight is by limiting calories. Ask my doctor. Anyway, and so we go through some of that. I fight my body, my mind, the logic sense, fights my body and my emotions because I want to eat. My body says I'm hungry. My emotions say I'm stressed. Eat that candy bar. And I want to do it. But my mind, my logic says I can't. I know I have to lose weight. And if I do that, I'm going backwards. We fight this. God's personalities, God's three parts. The Father has a slightly different personality than the Son, has a slightly different personality from the Spirit. Okay? They're all the same God, but they're all the same God. They all work together. They're one, but they do have distinct personality and traits. And I don't, I don't think you want to outrage the Holy Spirit, the one who is there to guide us, to encourage us, to help move us forward, to give us the words from God to do these things, outrage the spirit of grace. 30, for we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hey, sip and studiers. As you may know, the family and I have been called into missions and are now officially missionaries to the church in Pakistan. Can't tell you how excited we are for this. It's a great opportunity and we are so blessed for it. But if you've known anybody who's gone into missions, you know, can't do it on our own. We need people to be partnered with us, partnered in prayer and yes, also in financial support. But there's so much more. If you feel God tugging at your heart, letting you know that he has a plan for you to make an impact in the church in Pakistan, we'd love for you to reach out to us and partner with us. You can do that and more 
at chogglobal.org slash dsbrown. That's chogglobal.org slash dsbrown, as in Drew and Sonny Brown. Now, back to the study. Now, set aside the law. That is the law of the covenant. That is Moses' law, right? He's comparing walking away. Because remember, he's writing to Hebrews. He's writing to people who were formerly Jewish who naturally followed that progression. And I keep saying that over and over again. And I'm sure you guys are probably getting tired of hearing it phrased that way. But I think it's important that we understand that. Moving from Judaism to Christianity is a natural progression. Jesus was the Messiah. Salvation came through the Jews. Salvation for all came through the Jews. It is a very natural progression to recognize Jesus is the chosen one. He is the called one. He is the Messiah. He is the Christ. God came and to move from Judaism into Christianity. It is a natural progression. Unfortunately, the vast majority of them did not recognize this and didn't see it. Why? Because he didn't fit the bill for what they expected the Messiah to be, which is why I personally have a hesitancy to take a whole lot of this is to set my foot in the ground and say, this is how future prophecy will be fulfilled. It's because there was tons of prophecy about who the Messiah was and what the Messiah was going to do, and they missed it completely. And they weren't distracted by TV and internet cats like we are. So for us to sit there and think, we got this figured out because we're so much more advanced than they were. They had their lives to ponder and read and get into this. We are distracted more than any other generation. We don't focus. That's scary. Okay. So for us to think we've got it figured out, maybe be careful with that. That's all I'm going to say. The author here is comparing four former Jews leaving Jesus to go back to Judaism, how much worse would that be than leaving Judaism? See, you you could actually be killed for leaving Judaism. 28, anyone who set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy, simply on the evidence of two or three people saying, yeah, that person walked away. They left Judaism and went to paganism. You could be stoned for that. Straight up, it's right there it's in the scriptures. I, I would say not cool, but it's what it is, okay? How much worse of the punishment do you think deserves the one who is trampling underfoot the actual son of God? Jesus, God in the flesh. Now, the, this vengeance is mine. This comes from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 32 to 36. Uh, and so does the, the, the Lord will judge his people. Same section, 35 and 36. So 35 is Deuteronomy 32, 35 is vengeance, followed up by 32, 36, which is judges people. Deuteronomy 32, 35. Vengeance is mine and recompense for the time when their foot shall slip. For the day of their calamity is at hand and their doom comes swiftly. 36. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees that their power is gone and there is none remaining bond or free. Notice that. He will judge his people. That judge was not a bad judgment. For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. Judgment isn't always bad. But 
vengeance is mine. Okay. The author is pointing out God has the vengeance. The vengeance is his. But he also takes care of those who are with him. If you remain with God, if you remain with Jesus, he has grace and mercy and compassion. He will vindicate you. He will go to bat for you. He will take care of you and the situation. Just remember, his taking care of the situation might not happen the way you think it should or want it to or when you want it to. It's up to God. We need to recognize God's God, we're not, and allow God to do things his way and submit humbly to his direction and his plan. Follow Jesus and his direction on that. Moving on, 32 to 34. But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, which means you recognize that Jesus was the Messiah, not some hidden truth or anything, it was just for a Jew to recognize, hey, this actually is the Messiah, and they move forward, okay? You endured a hard struggle and sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Hmm, okay. So the author here is actually pointing out specifically, after they accepted Jesus, they went through hard times. They went through struggles. They had issues. They had to stand up for each other. They had to take care of each other. They had their stuff stolen. I mean, the author is pointing out some rather specific things that we we don't know. It's been lost to history. But pointing out some specific things that the, the readers of this, the original readers of this, would recognize and know and say, yeah, you're right. We did go through all of that. In fact, we had quite some time of a lot of struggles and a lot of this stuff happening. And we've held on and we've endured through all of that. Okay, this is an encouragement. After giving such a stern warning of how bad would it be to leave and then turns and starts encouraging, he starts encouraging them. You've already gone through so much. You've already done all of this. You've, you've handled the situation, right? God's already taken care of you. And you did all of this joyfully, knowing that you had a better possession and an abiding one. You have a better possession and an abiding one. And I didn't link it in here, and I should have. I wish I did. When Paul brings up the Holy Spirit, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit, the promise and the guarantor. It's a guarantee and evidence of things to come. You're in God's kingdom. You're there already, right? This is already here. When you accept Jesus, you're a part of that and you're in it already. But it isn't fully accomplished yet. There's more coming. There's more at hand. There's more to come. And once you die, you can receive the full inheritance. And that's not an encouragement for people to go and, you know, do anything rash or, or yeah, don't do anything like that. But there's more to come. And that's something that we can rest in. We can be assured of that there is more to come and that the promised Holy Spirit that we receive is evidence that the rest of it is coming too. So hold strong, hold fast, and keep going. Okay? That better possession, Jesus brought them an eternal inheritance. And there's something that no one else can take from them. And that's, again, we get evidence of that with the promised Holy Spirit. 35 and 36. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. 
for you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. This is something that I, I get asked quite often, actually. I've always recognized that this is something that, that people ponder and consider and, and think about and wonder, and there's several different theologies about this, but the Bible says, when you're in the hand of God, no one can take you out of it. Your salvation is secured. But you get like Calvinists who want to say, there's absolutely nothing you could do about it. And then you have other parts of Arminianism, maybe in like the Wesleyan Arminian camp who are going to say, hey, but you can walk away. What is this? And, I, and I'm just going to let you know, I see enough evidence throughout scripture. If you go through scripture, there is enough times, much like this right here, to where we see there's a call to endurance. There's a call to staying with Jesus. Jesus himself said, and we, we did this when we went through our study of John, abide in me, abide in me, stay with me as I stay with you. Don't just walk away. Don't leave. Stick it out. Keep going. Go forward. You see this here. You have need of endurance. You see in 1 Peter, endurance. We have to keep going. We can see multiple pieces of evidence with that. When we look at Luke 21, 19, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. We see in Matthew 10, 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. That's Jesus, right? But the one who endures to the end will be saved. There is a call and there is a necessity for us to continue onward. I fully believe God approaches all. God wants everyone saved. He approaches all. We have a call and a need to accept that and then to maintain in that and to continue to go forward. There is still a battle going on. There's a battle of the flesh, and then there's a spiritual battle where the enemy is trying to take you away. They can't pull you away. They can't pull you from God. But... Maybe they can convince you to walk away yourself. And that might be what they're trying to do. And so when you hear that little voice going, I, I would encourage you, fight that. Pray, read the scripture, talk to your fellow believers, talk to your friends, talk to your people who are walking in faith with you and encourage one another. Maybe, perhaps, that's why the author made such a point in verses 24 and 25 to talk about Get together with one another. Encourage one another. Lift each other up. Encourage one another to do good works, to do good things. Why? If you're struggling internally, one of the best things you can do is help other people, is to go and do some of these good things. That's how we help ourselves as well. We feel better inside. We recognize some of these things. Sometimes when I'm grumpy when I'm having a day and I've been stuck in the studio working really, really hard and I'm just spent and I'm done. And I, I think the last thing I want to do is see other people. Those are the days when Sonny comes up and says, Hey, I forgot to mention, I signed us up for whatever. And we go and do something. And at the end of it, you know, I'm dragging. I, I, I don't want to go, but then we go and we do it. And I come back and I feel so much better. I'm so glad I went and did that because that's actually what I needed. That stuff actually helps. There is a need to endure. And part of enduring is listening to those that God has put around us to encourage us. And sometimes that means you're the person that's there to encourage others. So step up in faith and do that.
37 to 39. I'm wrapping this up. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have have faith and preserve their souls. Okay, so this section that is obviously quoted, that's why it's separated, that's why it's shown somewhat differently, that is from Habakkuk 2, verses 3 to 4. It's a little different. The author uses a little bit of discernment. The Holy Spirit discerns and, and shifts things a little bit. First of all, we see the yet a little while, which is not from Habakkuk at all. In fact, most theologians agree this comes most likely from Isaiah 26, 20 to 21, which says this, Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed away. For behold, the Lord is coming out from his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth will disclose the blood shed on it and will no more cover its stain. But then we see in Habakkuk 2, 3, and 4, for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Just some pretty different way to take this. First thing to point out, what we just read in Habakkuk 2, 3, and 4 is from the Hebrew scriptures, whereas the author took everything from the Septuagint. It's the Greek translation, which does have some tweaking a little bit in there just because when you translate things, you got to have them make sense. And so things are translated a little bit and then actually shift things even a little bit more, imposing into this that Jesus is the one that's being discussed. The author encourages this right here and is pointing to the idea that Jesus is the one that is coming and will not delay. Yet a little while, again, probably comes from Isaiah, but anyway, and the coming one will come and will not delay but my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. It's like a condensed, just easy reading kind of version of this. Okay. And then clarifies, we are not of those who shrink back. Again, encouraging, encouraging the readers saying, look, you've already continued. You've already endured. You already went, if you go back here, 30 through through uh, 34, you had issues. You had struggles and sufferings being publicly exposed or with those being that way. And you had compassion for those in prison. You joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. People just upright stole. Sometimes they would sell other things to help take care of other Christians because you knew that you had a better possession and an abiding one. So he's encouraging, we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. We're not those who fall away. We're not those who took Jesus because we saw the good and then the road got rough because the enemy came attacking, right? The enemy came and was attacking and said, this is too hard. I can't handle this. It was easier when I wasn't under attack. And so I'm going to take that short-term gain of not being on attack now for a long-term loss. When the author's saying, but we're not those who are focused on a short-term gain 
for a long-term loss. We're not going to sacrifice the long-term for some short-term comfort. We are the ones who persevere. We are the ones who hold strong and have faith. We are the ones who look to the long road and the long haul and say, we know this is worth it in the end. We are continuing on. Jesus said we were worth it and he died for us on the cross. We know he's worth it. And we're continuing on until we get to him. So what can we take away from both lessons, right? From the whole thing, several weeks apart, sorry. Well, we should continue to get together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Study together, worship together, lift each other up. This faith and walking with Christ is a life. It's not a hobby, a task, or even a checklist. Okay, this is something we do as our lives, and we need to do it together. We need to lift each other up and walk this walk together. We have confidence in being able to approach God. Jesus paid our way and is currently interceding on our behalf. So have confidence. We need to have faith, hope, and love. These things are are needed to make it through this life. God makes us relational. God is relational and he made us in his image. And part of that image is making us relational. And since we are relational, this means we need one another. So lift each other up instead of tearing each other down. That's why we're warned about being rumor mills and spreading rumors and doing these things. That's just tearing people down. We need to start lifting each other up. Finally, Jesus is coming back. However, instead of looking at the world with the attitude of, he's coming, get your act together, people, we should keep his coming as a reminder to us that there's still good work to be done. We should be encouraged by this to continue to do our part, to lift each other up, to get out into the world and to make a difference and to make an impact for the kingdom of God. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for health, being able to, to get back into this. This is good for, for working through these technical difficulties that they, that they started with and, and for people having patience and waiting for it to start, God. Just ask that you continue to be with us as we go through this weekend, as we go through this coming week, that you open doors, that you speak to us and that you show us situations and times and people that you have around us that we need to encourage, that we can lift up, that we can be there for. And God, when we're struggling, we ask that you give others the courage and the wisdom to help and lift us back up as well. We thank you for everything you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all so much for being here. Hope you got something out of it. And uh, yeah, we will talk to you guys next time. Have a good one. God bless. Bye-bye.